Mountain gorillas are so majestic and yet so vulnerable. And when you look into their eyes, you feel a very deep connection. Welcome to Uganda High Commission here in London. We are here for one simple thing, to recognize the work done by Dr. Gladys in a very unique area. Until people like Gladys got involved, the gorilla population was dwindling. And there was a threat that your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, will never see it. Team gorilla, team gorilla. I'm so overwhelmed by the, all the support we've received. It's been a dream of mine to write a book about my life. I feel that I have so many lessons to share and I really hope you enjoy reading. Working with Gorillas, it's been launched here at the Uganda High Commission. Saving one gorilla can make a difference. Protect the mountain gorillas, make a difference. Uh, this is really important to me. My dad lost his life trying to develop the country and it's just so fantastic that I can continue his legacy here. Award-winning Ugandan wildlife vet, conservationist and now author, Dr. Gladys Kalemazika Soka, speaking at the launch of her remarkable memoir, Walking with Gorillas, the journey of an African wildlife vet in London earlier this year. Guests included members of the press, fellow primatologists, environmentalists, academics, friends, family, and a delegation of Ugandan politicians, including the Minister of Foreign Affairs, General Jeje Odong. Dr. Gladys, as she's affectionately known, has been described as one of Africa's greatest eco-heroes for her pioneering, community-led approach to conservation. She's dedicated her life to protecting endangered mountain gorillas, as well as their human neighbors. No surprise then that Dr. Gladys has been the recipient of numerous international awards, including the UN Environment Programme's Champion of the Earth, the Whitley Gold Award, considered to be the Green Oscars, and the Edinburgh Medal in 2022. But Dr. Gladys is incredibly humble about her achievements and is never happier than when she's in the dense, mist-shrouded rainforest of Bwindi Impenetrable National Park in southwestern Uganda. She and her team realize that there is no time for complacency. Mountain gorillas are increasing in number, thankfully, due to successful conservation efforts, but there are only just over 1,000 left in the whole world. When I first started working with them in 1996, as Uganda's first wildlife vet, there were only around 650. As we speak now, we believe that the numbers are continuing to grow. But the gorillas are still threatened by habitat loss. There isn't much space for them to expand. And that's a very big pressure. Mountain gorillas are now considered endangered rather than critically endangered. 
In this podcast, we will be learning more about the incredible life of Dr. Gladys Kalema Zikosoka and how, despite facing challenges in her childhood, numerous setbacks, and discrimination in a male-dominated world, she has an insatiable passion for what she does. She has one mission in life, to protect our primate cousins in Bwindi, which translates as a muddy, swampy place full of darkness in the local Runyachatara language, and to build a brighter future for our planet. So, how did it all begin? Dr. Gladys Kalema Zikosoka was born in Kampala in 1970 and was the youngest of six siblings. One person who recalls that moment well is her cousin Esther, with whom she spent a lot of her early childhood. So we, we grew up as a sibling. And so when Gladys came along, she was our baby doll. We used to <laughs> like to feed her and, and we had a live doll. But. A year after her birth, General Idi Amin seized power in a military coup and began his so-called Reign of Terror in Gladys's beloved Uganda. On January the 20th, 1972, nearly two weeks after her second birthday, Gladys's father, William Wilberforce Kalema, a former cabinet minister under Uganda's previous president, Milton Obote, was abducted and murdered by Amin's soldiers. His body was never found. This tragic event shaped Gladys's childhood. It meant that she developed an even closer bond with her mum, Rhoda Kalema, who, at the age of 42, had to raise six children single-handedly, but also went on to become an icon of Uganda's women's rights movement and one of the first female parliamentarians. From a very young age, she used to talk about the great things my father did. And so I grew up with this legacy that we want to continue our father's dream of a prosperous Uganda. And my, I saw my mom following in his footsteps. So I'm, I come from a family of people who wanted to make the world a better place. Witnessing her parents endure many hardships as a child made Gladys even more resilient and focused her family had to adapt to her father not being there. And for her own safety, Gladys was sent to boarding school at the age of seven. Animals were always an incredibly important part of Gladys's life. They were her friends and a way of escaping from the cloud of terror of the time. I grew up at home with lots of pets and as a youngest in a family of six, and having had many cats and dogs at home, which my brother used to bring home, I really, got fascinated with wild animals and I decided I wanted to be a vet. But we did have an unusual pet owned by our next door neighbor. It's a velvet monkey owned by the Cuban ambassador. He used to come home and pull the cats and dogs tails, steal food from the kitchen. And one time I was playing the piano and he, he, he was looking at me. So I came out of the room to see what he would do and he played one note and I was like, whoa, these monkeys are so intelligent. They have their ink fingers look like mine and they can play the piano. <laughs> So then I just got fascinated with primates. And then when I was 18, I had an opportunity to set up a wildlife club in my high school. I revived it. Gladys's love of having pets wasn't typical during that period in Uganda, where all animals tended to be kept for a purpose. She remembers being teased for believing that animals were sentient beings and had souls. For her, 
they were just like humans. She was in her element, running the wildlife club at school, and remembers one particular day when she and her biology teacher took the children from the wildlife club on an excursion to the Queen Elizabeth National Park. In what should have been the happiest of days, Gladys felt an overwhelming sense of sadness. It was very exciting for me taking the children to the parks with the teacher, but when we got there, there was very little wildlife because it had been poached during the Idi Amin era, and you could even have walking safaris. There were no predators anymore, no lions, leopards, and those few elephants, many of them had gone to neighboring Democratic Republic of Congo. And I was really worried, and I started getting the idea that maybe as a vet, I could help to bring the wildlife back. Being a vet was not a respected vocation in Uganda at the time, a developing country with so much human suffering, but this didn't hold Gladys back. Behind the scenes, Gladys's mum was a constant source of support and encouraged her daughter to follow her dreams. My mum allowed me to do what I wanted. She realised I had a passion for animals and she encouraged it. She always said that if I ever leave this world, I don't want my daughter to be miserable because she's not doing the profession she wants to do. So she encouraged me to become a vet. And then when I said to her I want to get into wildlife, she also encouraged that. To her delight, Gladys won a scholarship to study at the Royal Veterinary College at the University of London in the 1990s. Now, this was a very big moment in her life. She did various work experience placements, including one at Longleat Safari Park in Wiltshire and another at London Zoo. Gladys says that one of the highlights of her studies in the UK was working with captive wild animals. It taught her that zoos, if run well, were an important part of the research needed to help conservation efforts. Another key moment when Gladys was a student was attending a talk by the late Dr. Barclay Hastings, the first veterinarian to work with mountain gorillas in Rwanda. He and his colleague, Ian Redmond, conducted the first long-term study of these primates. Gladys remembers leaving the lecture feeling completely inspired. My name's Ian Redmond. I'm a wildlife biologist um, and self-confessed gorilla-holic. I've known Gladys since she was a student at the Royal Veterinary College in London. And Gladys is lovely. She's got a smile that lights up a room and she's a remarkable individual. The two were to become lifelong friends and Gladys also ended up becoming a volunteer for the guerrilla organisation. Then, at the age of 24, Gladys had her first encounter with a wild gorilla whilst volunteering for a Ugandan study at the Royal Veterinary College. It was life-changing because she felt a deep connection with the creatures. Her job was to collect and examine gorilla faeces from Bwindi Impenetrable Forest and she discovered that gorillas, in contact with tourists, were more likely to carry more parasites. Gladys graduated with a Bachelor of Veterinary Medicine in 1995. Soon after that, she became Uganda's first ever wildlife vet. It was a huge honour and a big responsibility for the then 26-year-old. She is sometimes described as the first female wildlife vet, which she was, but she was also the first vet. Uh, so she's very good at breaking boundaries. Being fresh out of vet school, Gladys looked after all kinds of wildlife in Uganda. In her autobiography, she describes treating sick gorillas, relocating wandering elephants, reintroducing giraffes into the wild, rescuing orphaned baby chimpanzees, and testing Cape Buffalo 
for zoonotic diseases. Gladys quickly gained the respect of her peers for her fresh approach to looking after the wildlife in her home country. Ian Redmond again. This concept of caring for individuals using veterinary interventions whilst they're still in the wild, so you're just providing a medical service to an endangered species so that each individual has a chance to fulfil their potential and, and, and breed and be a part of, of society without hoiking them out and putting them in a cage somewhere. That is relatively new thinking, usually to put right something that other humans had done. So poachers or farmers or people who were in conflict in one way or another with wild animals, and they were the baddies, and Gladys was prominent among the goodies who were helping to right those wrongs. So it was evident to Gladys, even in those early days, that everything was interconnected. In other words, if you wanted to look after Africa's wildlife, you also had to address the needs of Homo sapiens. She saw the, the need for human medical interventions because it doesn't seem fair to be caring for gorillas when there are people in dire need living next door to the gorillas. And, and the relationship between their health and the, the gorillas and the chimpanzees, who are in evolutionary terms so close to us, had previously been barely looked at and now is, is a significant part of the conservation work. And, and Gladys is, is a pioneer in that. In 2003, Gladys, her husband, Lawrence Zikusoka, and Stephen Rabanga set up CTPH, Conservation Through Public Health, a non-profit organisation which would protect gorillas and other wildlife in Uganda, Congo and Rwanda from the threat of human and livestock diseases. Over the last two decades, the NGO has continued to grow and transform the approach to conservation in the region. Unless veterinary treatment is needed, Gladys and her team always maintain a distance of 10 metres from mountain gorillas. That's because, as we share 98.4% of our DNA, we can easily make each other sick. CTPH has a unique One Health approach to conservation and has introduced more community-based programmes to help educate people about their environment. Conservation through Public Health, our NGO, started a program where we support community-based healthcare and we teach those people to do conservation education as well. They talk to people about not eating bushmeat because it can make them sick, but also not to poach and collect firewood and how they can prevent themselves making gorillas sick by covering their rubbish heaps and not putting dirty clothing on scarecrows, which is how the gorillas picked up scabies when they entered people's gardens to eat their banana plants and got scabies. So all of those are the things that we're trying to really educate people about. As well as family planning campaigns coordinated by the village health and conservation teams, CTPH's innovative 360 approach has included a Gorilla Guardians scheme, where volunteers from Windy help keep the gorillas away from local community land and herd them back into the forest. Gladys says the Gorilla Guardians are immensely proud of what they do. Gladys's groundbreaking work with CTPH has earned her the respect of colleagues both in Uganda and around the world. Praveen Moman is a family friend and the founder of Volcanoes Safaris, an ecotourism company 
but has been at the forefront of reviving gorilla and chimpanzee conservation in Uganda and Rwanda for a quarter of a century. Now, I think she's been very good at not just living in an ivory tower. She gets out there. She wants to speak to young Ugandan schoolchildren. She wants to go to the universities and talk about her work. She wants to be on national television. So I think that's one of her most important assets. Majority population, obviously, in, in Uganda and neighboring countries are black Africans. It's very important that there are voices that are black African that are promoting this work amongst people. You don't want this to be some elite story. You know, gorillas cannot just be for the privileged. Gorilla tourism is a very divisive issue, but for Gladys, it's an important and inevitable part of protecting Ugandan wildlife, and it also boosts the local economy. I believe that tourism has helped the mountain gorilla population to grow because people have an economic incentive to protect the gorillas and coexist with them. If a gorilla goes to their garden, they won't kill the gorilla because they know tourists are coming to see these gorillas and my children are able to go to school. Um, my children have jobs. That's the biggest one because when the national parks were created, the Uganda Wildlife Authority hired most people from the community to be park staff. And that really helped. So people who used to poach are now earning more protecting animals. And that's really great. We call them actually born-again poachers because they're earning more protecting rather than killing the animals. The COVID pandemic was a major setback for guerrilla tourism and for CTPH's work. And a very tragic incident happened during that period. When the pandemic began, suddenly there were no tourists. And after two months, a gorilla was killed by a hungry bushmeat poacher, which was very, very sad. And this poacher, knowing that there are no tourists going in the park, because actually when tourists go in the park, it's a form of law enforcement. He was able to set snares to kill daika and bush pig. People in Uganda don't eat gorillas. And he speared a bush pig and it screamed. And when the bush pig screamed, the gorilla charged to protect his family. So Rafiki, who was called Rafiki because he's friendly, his family was broken up when he was speared. And that made everybody realize there's a lot of poaching because already the snaring had gone up. And so that was a very scary time for everyone. One of CTPH's biggest fans, a singer called Gasuza, was so moved by Rafiki's death that it inspired him to write a song. Rafiki was a friend, so why did you kill him? Why did you spear him? A boss, a silver back. Rest in peace, Rafiki. I'm Gasuza, who recorded the song Team Gorilla to help promote walking with gorillas. Dr. Glass's book. Being a part of the Team Gorilla Initiative has been an absolute joy, actually. Recording the song to support the conservation and protection of mountain gorillas in Uganda was really a true honor. Thank you for shining a light on these magnificent creatures. Transanyo, Dr. Gladys. Let's continue working together to safeguard their future. Make a difference. Gorillas are albawars. They're generally passive animals, but the silverback. The poacher responsible for Rafiki's death received an 11-year prison sentence, which is the toughest punishment that anyone has ever received for killing wildlife in Uganda. Dr Gladys and her team knew that this wasn't an isolated case, 
So they started a food security program and distributed 1,500 fast-growing seedlings to vulnerable households, including to the wife and three children of the poacher who had killed Rafiki, in order to encourage them to find another income stream as an alternative to poaching. Gladys realised that more action was needed to protect mountain gorillas and that the local people couldn't always depend on tourism. The pandemic was a wake-up call that you can't only depend on tourism to survive. But we did have a, a social enterprise which we started in 2016 called Gorilla Conservation Coffee. My husband helped to initiate that. We decided to build a global coffee brand to save the gorillas because even as you're visiting the gorillas, you always cross coffee farms and these farmers weren't getting a steady market or a fair price. So with Gorilla Conservation Coffee, we're able to give them a good price for good coffee and a donation from every bag goes to support the work in the community and with the gorillas, improving gorilla health, community health and conservation education. CTPH works with approximately 500 farmers around Bwindi and Penetrable Forest, and Gorilla Conservation Coffee is currently sold in the UK, the USA, Australia and New Zealand. Hi, I'm Vicky Waddell from Money Row Beans, and I'm the UK distributor for Gorilla Conservation Coffee. I've been working with Dr Gladys and the team in Uganda for about three and a half years now, importing the green unroasted coffee beans and roasting them, selling them to supporters in the UK, and then donating back to Conservation Through Public Health. I was fortunate enough to visit Dr Gladys and her team in Uganda in October 2022 and I was really lucky to be able to have the chance to go gorilla tracking and to see gorillas firsthand. I knew it would be incredible but nothing really quite prepared me for the moment when I first saw them. It was a really emotional experience and I left feeling this huge responsibility to support the work she's doing. I asked Vicky what the response has been to Gorilla Conservation Coffee in the UK. With Gorilla Conservation Coffee, there's a very clear story and a very clear message. And as soon as people hear about Dr Gladys and her work, and the proof is there that the number of endangered mounted gorillas, you know, the population is increasing, I think people feel very happy to support and to know that the, when they buy coffee, it's making a direct impact. Meanwhile, back on her international book tour for Walking with Gorillas, The Journey of an African Wildlife Vet, with her husband Lawrence and two children Indigo and Tendo, Gladys wants to share this important message. Um, yes, I hope that the book will inspire more people to become conservationists or women to achieve their dreams in spite of all the odds, because I've been working in a very male-dominated environment. Um, people from Africa to get engaged in conservation because there's not been much many Africans engaged in conservation or owning it or leading conservation projects other than the governments. So I'm hoping that it inspire many people to follow their dreams um, and also to get adopt inspire people, policymakers to adopt one health approaches to conservation and and also to engage communities in conservation and sustainable development. I, for one, am in awe of how Gladys juggles her hugely busy career and family life. But she does, effortlessly. Gladys's mother, Rhoda, now 93, remains her rock and always encourages her daughter to keep dreaming big. Rhoda has recently written her own autobiography. And I was very 
excited to finally take her to see the mountain gorillas. And she said, oh, they're just gentle vegetarian giants. Having been very frightened of me going, initially thinking that they were going to mow me or do something to me. And she's a real, one of the biggest cheerleaders in my life. And she's a very strong person. And Gladys is immensely proud of her husband, Lawrence's contribution to her work, as well as their children, Indigo and Tendos, the eldest of which has also written a book. So, three generations of authors in one family, nothing short of extraordinary. Um, my hope is that they'll make a positive difference in society in whatever career they choose to take. My older son wrote a book when he worked at the zoo when he was 13 years old. He wrote it when he was 16, called Zookeeper for a Week won the Moonbeam Children's Award, which I'm very excited about. And my younger son, during COVID, got so involved in all the training I held with the rangers and the gorilla guardians and even the reform poachers. And so he became an expert and wrote an article in the children's magazine. Gladys's cousin Esther, with whom she grew up, wanted to send this special message to Gladys who she affectionately calls Boa. Hi, Boa. We're so proud of you. You keep going whatever their challenges, obstacles put in your way. You never give up. Because of your size and gender, people underestimate the powerful engine driving your ambitions, but they soon learn what an inspirational person you are. And you love what you do and it shows. I'm so happy that you become role model to many. Keep doing what you're doing, keep striving, keep being you. Keep going. Go, girl. So how would Gladys most like to be remembered? As somebody who went outside their comfort zone to change the world, and somebody who was willing to challenge society norms and cultural barriers, who championed a new way of promoting conservation, who inspired other women to challenge society norms, and work with wildlife or other male-dominated professions and any other dream that they wanted to achieve. And just between you and I, some of the world's top conservationists, like self-confessed gorilla-holic Ian Redmond, predict even greater accolades for Gladys in the not-too-distant future. One or two of us think that if Wangari Maathai, the Kenyan Nobel laureate, can be given a Nobel Prize for encouraging women to plant trees and all the other activities she was involved with, maybe that's Gladys's next prize. So, you know, Gladys for the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> Something that undoubtedly would make Gladys's late father very proud, as well as the rest of her family. You heard it here first. Saving one gorilla can make a difference. You've been listening to The Gorilla Champion with me, Paul Barber. The producer was Sarah Parfit, sound editing was by Terry Wilson, and the series editor was Elizabeth Mearns.